0: you so much and we give you anchor we give you all of anchor we give you the people we give you our families we give you uh, every single thing that affects what we do in this building and we ask that you you would take it and you would have your way in it it's in the name of Jesus we pray all of these things amen Well, good morning. I really like saying good morning when the lights go on. It's like, rise and shine. Uh, Well, did you guys know that when Jesus first, well, when Mary first saw Jesus after he had risen from the grave, she thought that he was a gardener. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Uh, I garden, that's kind of one of my hobbies now. I started a garden, I was trying to keep it on like the DL because I was really nervous it was all gonna die and then I'd have to face you guys, but here we are. Uh, but I started a garden about a month or so ago and as I nurture it, as I you know, pull out the weeds, as I check on it, as I look at the weather to make sure it's not gonna get hailed on, you know, as I do all of those things, I am more in tune and have a better understanding of what the heart of God looks like, Uh, of what the heart of God looks like, and what it looks like a man who gets on our level, who sees the weeds in our lives and gets rid of them, however painful it may be, the one who sees the hailstorm on the horizon, the one that is with us, watching over us every single day of our lives. Did you know that Scripture promises you that God is watching over you I love this scripture, Psalm 121 verse 5, it says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, and the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life, and I love this, this part. It says, the Lord will watch over you, your coming and going, both now and forevermore. He will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. That means that no matter what I am feeling, no matter what I see in the mirror that day, no matter what I think of myself, the Lord is watching over me. See, he always cares for his garden. And you may not know this, but my garden, my garden, like just over there, it made it into scripture. Um... (laughs) Please don't chuck the tomatoes yet. But it made it into scripture. Like, catch this. It says Romans 8, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all of creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, Creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. In glorious freedom from death and decay, my zucchinis wait. (laughs) All of creation, that is from Lindsay's garden to birds in the air to the handful of us here, we wait in eager expectation for the Lord to reveal his glory, which begs the question this week, do I look forward less eagerly than my green beans? Do I? Do I look forward for the freedom, of, from, the freedom from death and decay more than creation itself? Because honestly, like, do you ever even catch yourself thinking about the end? Do you ever find yourself wondering about the end of life or the end of time itself? Uh, two things usually bring us to that place. The first is when, you know, we are getting older, (laughs) and the end is suddenly becoming a little clearer than yesterday. And we start wondering, what will that look like? Another thing that brings us to those thoughts is when we lose a loved one, somebody that's really close to us. I can remember uh, hugging my mom goodbye from my front door, and six hours later, finding out that she had died in a car crash. I was a little too close to the end for my comfort and it made me ask some questions. And I think we don't like to think about the end Uh, because when we think about it we get this doom and gloom picture, don't we? I actually have a video for you to watch this morning of what you might picture when you think about the end. Watch this with me. December of this year. Yikes, right? And let me tell you what, if I'm stuck at the end of the world, I really hope I'm not stuck in a John Cusack movie, but neither here nor there. Um, but, but just for a moment, let's pause and appreciate that that was the movie 2012. So in 2018, we can say uh, altogether, oops, You're right? Uh, yikes, that's not good. But I think that when we think about the end, we get this image of terror and action movies and, you know, dropping meteors and run for your life. It's coming. At the end of that clip, it says, I thought we'd have more time. And this morning, I want to ask the question, what if the end isn't bad news? Uh, What if the majority of your life you have seen too much of what Hollywood portrays and not enough of what the Word of God says? What if you can actually Look at the end with confidence and with peace. So we have been walking through the entire Bible in six weeks. We have looked at the bigger picture of Scripture. We said that it all started out with a man in a garden, with God. We said that after that, sin and Satan entered the scene. Following that, we have the world was judged and purified with Noah and the ark, We saw that the world was united under the Tower of Babel, and then God's holy people, the 12 tribes of Israel, emerged. And we walked through the tabernacle together and the sacrificial system. At the pinnacle of creation, we see Jesus Christ, and he came and he instituted a new covenant, which is a new contract with us. We see that God's holy people, the 12 disciples, and the church is where we are today. Following that, we see that the world is prophesied to unite again. The world will be judged and purified. Sin and Satan will exit. Woohoo! And God will end up with redeemed man in paradise. Now, today we're going to focus on the last four pieces of the Bible. And before we dive into the last four pieces of the Bible, with our, which are a little anxiety inducing, I got a couple ground rules. So the first, first ground rule that I have for you is that the goal of today is not to scare you. Um, I don't know if you remember, I had a rubber snake the first week of this. I have really enjoyed hiding that rubber snake around this building, okay? This topic, not a rubber snake, and I'm not trying to scare you. The second thing is that I will not be able to tell you when it's going to happen. I'd like to, that'd be kinda convenient, but I'm not gonna be able to tell you when it's gonna happen, and in a lot of ways, I'm not gonna be able to to tell you the specifics of how. The the next thing is that it is important to say that as we read the Bible today, and as we open up a controversial book, this is not a fantasy novel. (laughs) This is not something that is meant to give you wild dreams. This is the word of God. And we're going to treat it as such today. And the last thing is that if you leave this building without hope, I have not done my job. Fair enough? All right. So we're going to start in Revelations 21, starting in verse 5. It says, The one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And when he said to, or then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I give freely from the springs of the waters of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, and those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death." Now, I have a confession to make as your pastor. I hate this topic. (laughs) Uh, It drives me crazy. I I can watch horror movies all day, but I don't watch end-of-the-world movies because they scare the crud out of me and they come up in nightmares. And I I don't like this topic because this verse, it starts out beautiful, and it ends with some sobering truth. It ends with this sobering truth that to not choose Christ will cost you something. To not choose Jesus will cost you something, and many of us would like to wish that that weren't the case. We'd like to say, you know, everybody's going to end up at the same place, and it's all good. And wishing, it has a better name for that. It's called universalism. That no matter what you believe, no matter what your life is composed of, we're all going to end up at the same place. Which, let me tell you what, I wish that were true. My job would be so much easier. Uh, I could be like, hey guys, let's get together and believe something and go somewhere. You know? Uh, How easy would that be? And you know, wishing wishing is fun. You know? I, I wish that my car was still worth what I paid for it, right? You know, I wish, I wish, that this road construction in our city meant we wouldn't have potholes anymore, okay? Wishful thinking is fun. Uh, I wish that I didn't have to pay taxes anymore. (laughs) But the the word of God, it doesn't leave us room. And I wish a lot of things, on a more serious note, I wish there was no such thing as cancer. You know, I I wish that on October 31st, 2013 my friend Brian didn't die from stage 4 colon cancer at 41, leaving behind two children and a wife. I wish that weren't true. I wish that when I shared about the pain of losing a parent or a niece or a loved one that there weren't a whole bunch of other people knowing that exact pain. I wish. See, Problem is, is that universalism, anything that is outside this book, is just wishful thinking. And this book doesn't leave us room for wishes. It's pretty clear what's gonna happen. And I know that at the end of my life, there will be judgment. And that I have to trust the blood of Jesus in that moment. And I have to trust his work, and and trust his word that it's gonna cover me. And let me tell you what, if we say, I hear a lot of Christians say, you know, I I believe the Bible, I love Jesus, but man, what it says about the end, I just, I don't really get behind that. And if that's the case, then we have some serious downsizing to do. Uh, Revelations deals a lot with that, so like, that's got to go. And you know, John actually wrote Revelations and that's not very that's not really long book so I can I can get that too um that one's got to go and if if first and second and third John isn't good enough I mean Acts really deals with a lot yeah so Acts that's that's got to go and Jesus himself oh my gosh he talked about hell more than he talked about heaven I love that guy but it has got to go then I look, Old Testament, you're not off, off limits at all. Uh, Daniel, I see you. And I see all of the things that you said. Isaiah, that's not going to work for me either. is a really long book, actually. <laughs> I got to take it all out, you know? And at one point, does this become haunting? Listen, how much of this do you have to rip out to get to the gospel that you want to believe? Because if you're going to rip out the pages about the end, you're going to have to rip out the pages about grace and mercy. They're on the same page. If you want to talk about mercy, but then have no real reason to have it, why do we even need to talk about it to begin with? And to a certain point, this becomes disgusting. That I need to cut and chop and rip to get to the Bible that I want to stand behind. This morning, I want to do a simple thing. I want to put the pages back in the Bible. And I want to look at what the Word of God says about the end with hope and confidence and peace. And for those of you guys that are having a heart attack, this is an old copy of Twilight, so <laughs> we can all celebrate that. <laughs> I found it at the, at the Ark, and I was like, yes! Okay, anyway, so the first thing that we see is the world is united. Now, all of Scripture prophesies that the world will unite. Uh, They say that there will come a leader that will unite us under economical means, meaning under money, which makes it kind of apparent that Jesus says the root of all evil is what? Money. Money. Revelations 13, verse 16 Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or their forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And so for a long while, people thought that this was actually tattoos which made this part of the sermon writing experience a little awkward for me. Uh, a lot of people have theories that it's going to be microchips or Apple Pay or something, but what you can really understand is that we don't know how this will come. But it says that the world will be united under money. The next thing that happens is that the world is judged and purified. Listen to what Second Peter says about this. It says, they deliberately forget what God, that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought, bought the heavens, or the earth, out of from the water and surrounded it with, the, with water. He then used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Does that sound familiar? Noah and the ark, two by two by two. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They have been kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. And in this moment, we see that mere image playing out in just a few Bible verses. He says, we once saw the world was judged and purified, and we're going to see that happen again. Now, for critics, they'd like to say, well, why hasn't that happened? You know, it's been thousands of years. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A year, or a day, is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. (laughs) He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And I'll be honest with you. Man, I hope he waits a long time. I hope that he waits until some of my closest friends and family know who he is. I hope he waits for the world to see his hope. I hope that he waits for the thousands of people in our city alone that don't know the hope of Christ. And let me tell you, if you're in this room and you're just waiting for the day, what a selfish faith you must have. Because this is our call as Christians for the hope of Christ to spread throughout everybody. This is why we do everything that we do. This is why we serve our neighbors, for the hope of the gospel to spread. This is why we have life groups to wrestle with truths. This is why people give testimonies. This is why we have worship. This is why we have baptisms. This is why we have a church itself, so that the hope of Christ can spread Are you using the time that God has given you to spread the hope of Christ? Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Now, Scripture says that this will come like a thief. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to look up how many times I have survived the end of the world, like all of the predictions that have been made in my 27 years of life. And uh, since August 12, 1990, uh, you might not be impressed by this, but I was. I had survived 57 end of the world days. 57. And let me tell you what, 56 of those I didn't even know about, all (laughs) right? 57 times. Uh, That is insane to me. And so if you know somebody that that knows when it's going to happen, just like do yourself a favor, unfriend them on Facebook. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, There was a man named Harold Camping, and he was famous for doing a whole bunch of mathematics to predict the end of the world. Um, And his latest one was May 21st, 2011. I have a picture for you. Um, And these billboards, did anybody see these billboards? They were everywhere in the Midwest. Uh, I hit at least three of them just going between South Dakota and Oklahoma on the same interstate. They were everywhere, and and this he was excited about this. He believed it was going to happen. People went crazy. They like sold their houses. They quit their jobs. They did things they'd never do. And let me ask you, uh, what were you doing on May twenty-first, two thousand eleven? No idea, all right? I'm sure you would have remembered entering into the pearly gates, right? And a week later, a guy, he bought the same billboard, and this is what he did to it. Look at this picture. That was awkward. Uh, no one knows the day or the hour. See, scripture says that it will come like a thief, meaning you and I, we're not promised tomorrow. I have no idea when this will be true, meaning that you need to live every day of your life like it's your last. Um, I think a lot about my mom's passing, and I think a lot about the last time that she visited, and I remember the last Sunday that she was in our building. Um, I woke up that morning, and I knew I needed to give a salvation message, but I'm kind of stubborn, and I said to the Lord, are you sure? I don't know if this is really necessary or even like all my people are saved I don't need to say it again and he wrestled me and said absolutely you need to and my mom shows up and she's wearing uh, an anchor church hoodie it's like at least 80 degrees in this building that day (laughs) but she was going to wear that hoodie even though she had sweat dripping down her forehead because she was going to the game so she was going to wear the jersey right and so she comes to to uh, church, I embarrass her, I tell her to meet all of you guys, Uh, she sits in the second row, and I remember at the end of service, I gave an invitation to know the Lord and to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and my mom raised her hand. Within 48 hours from raising her hand, she saw him face to face. Let me ask you, how would your life change if you talked with every single person like it might be your last? What kind of love would you give? What parts of your life would you not withhold any longer? How would your life be different if you knew that within 48 hours they might see him face to face? We have no time to waste one of my close friends, she said, you know, I've noticed that your preaching is a little different. And because after that day, I realized I can't waste time. And I can't assume that every single person that walks into this building has the hope of Christ. I had known my mother since the second I was conceived. <laughs> and I had no clue. And my mom, she became uh, this encouragement and this beacon for me that our church, restoring hope within our city, is so important, and we're not done yet. And God has bigger plans for what we are about to do. And I'm frustrated that it took me that to realize it. What will make you realize that you cannot waste your life and you cannot waste your time. We are called to restore hope within this city, and that means something of me, and that means something of you, and that means something of your interactions with people, that means something of how you raise your kids, how you spend your money, that means something of how you influence other people. We are called to restore hope, because eventually, and I love this part, sin and Satan will exit. Sin and Satan will exit. Revelations 21, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. From the beginning of the story, we have always been focused on how can we dwell with God. And in Revelations 21, it says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with us. And I love this part. He says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And that's our hope. That that's our great God. Our God is incredibly on time and on purpose. And that's why we have hope because our Savior put death in its grave. He offers us the ability to enter into his presence so that at the end we do not approach it with fear. We approach it with confidence, knowing that our God promises to wipe away every pain, to heal every hurt, and to welcome us into his presence. The last part of the puzzle is God with redeemed man in paradise. See, it starts with a man in a garden and it ends with a man in a garden. Revelations 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, Reality is, how do I approach the end topic with hope and with peace? We all have a decision to make. When we reach the end of our lives, will we trust our own goodness? Or will we trust the work of God? A God who is so on time, who is so on purpose, who loves us so much, that this huge story ends with us face to face with him. Who will you trust in that moment? This morning, I want to read 1 Corinthians 11 to you. It says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. We started with a handful of pieces from a puzzle, and we said, we want to figure out what these pieces are. One of those pieces has your name on it. Each one of us is a part of this bigger puzzle to announce the death of Christ until he comes again, to spread the hope of the gospel that provides peace and security for our future. Not what Hollywood would have us portray, but what what our God, a loving Father, would have us say. This morning we are going to partake in communion. And it's my prayer that we do so in a little bit of a new way. That we would do so knowing our part in the puzzle to declare the hope of Christ until he returns. Uh, We practice believers' communion. So if you love the Lord and you have made that decision that I am going to follow Christ with my life, you are absolutely welcome to partake in any of the communion. And if, if you are not there, it's really okay. And if you want to say, Lord, maybe this time I just need to sit and pray and process, that's completely okay. So let's pray this morning as we enter into communion. Father God, I thank you that you know the beginning, middle, and end of the big story and of our story. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to own our part in the story God, that you would help us to own our chapter. Lord, to own the co-workers that we see every single day. God, to own the conversations that we have with our family and our friends. Lord, that your hope might spread so that no one would have to be destroyed. God, we love you so much and we are so excited and we wait eagerly for the day when we are free from death and decay. But God, I pray that we would not just wait. Lord, but that it would spur us onward to show the light of your salvation to every single person we have in contact. God, as we we take communion this morning, I pray that you would bless the elements to our body. Lord, that you would help us to know what this means to us from the depths of our soul. Lord, and that we would reflect on your sacrifice and that our lives would be ever, ever different because of it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.